0: Welcome to the Cap City Offers Podcast. This is episode 102. Uh, you've got Chris and Brian, and this time around, we're going to talk about shooting uh, long guns, Air 15 pattern long guns, um, at night, in the dark, with weapon-mounted lights, doing a variety of different things.
1: Yeah, guys, we uh, we ran a couple different drills, um, and, and some of the drills, multiple reps through. Um most of this stuff, well, all this was 50 yards in, in this case, or 40 yards in, in this case. Um, and, and again, this is one of those training evolutions for us where the the accuracy standard wasn't so much the conversation as it was understanding how to make your gun work with a light on it, with a sling on it, with full kit, um, plate carriers, war belts, etc. And then, and then as well, movement. Um, we did some similar stuff with this here, probably in the last couple months, where. The focus, again, running like a Blaze X or running a grid of fire or whatever with the handgun and the light wasn't so much about the ability to hit the target. That's almost a foregone conclusion with most of the folks in our group. Um, This was a lot more about getting into position, getting from one place to another, getting into position quickly, getting the gun up comfortably where it needs to be, and, and finding that sight or sight picture, and then... Or sight alignment. Pardon me, and then punching the light on and and truing up or finding up, you know, sight sight picture and pressing the shot off quickly. But then also getting the light back off quickly and moving to the next position so you weren't where you just were. Um, so so while we you know we talk about this as a shooting drill. It's a whole lot more of a moving drill and an understanding your gun and your equipment and making everything work. Um, we we probably don't well not probably we don't spend anywhere near as much time on long guns as we do on handguns because most of us carry a handgun um, every day and you know generally we're grabbing the long gun in, in an extremist situation whether that's home defense or the world melting down. So you know we we probably weight our training seventy to eighty percent handgun and probably twenty to thirty percent long gun. Um, and so this was an opportunity for everybody to get used to running the light again in the dark and, and making everything work together. Um, and, and I think there were definitely some things people picked up. I uh, got some guys running some new systems, um, you know, with the cloud defensive stuff out there really taking the market by storm. Um, the guys running owl lights, I don't think really struggled with any of it because it's pretty intuitive with the owl light. Um, But the guys running the REINs uh, were either running without a tape switch, and so had to figure out the buttonology, which is no different than Surefire buttonology, but placement matters and things like that. Uh, And then also, you know, the new switches for the REINs and stuff like that as well. So we're going to kind of beat on those different things, but walk through some of the different drills that we ran and and how the interface um, treated us as we're doing this stuff, probably for, what, the first time this year with long guns, or yeah. second time this year with long guns? First time in the dark. Yeah, so, yeah, so. For um, first
0: time in six months in the dark. Exactly,
1: yeah, yeah, yes, the first time since the last time it was dark a year ago, so. Um, conditions, it, it was It was chilly, um, what, 25, 30 degrees? I think the my weather app, the... It feels like, said something like 19 or 21. Yeah, so it was, it was chilly. It wasn't ridiculously cold. Um, you know, like it, it, in, in, it, when we got there, it was windy. Um, but w- when dark finally fell, the winds kind of calmed down a little bit, which is fairly common for Ohio. Um, but crystal clear night, lots of starlight. Uh, gorgeous night, actually, to be out on the range. Um, the, but conditions were chilly. So um, I'm, I'm going to throw out a nod before we even get started with lights and things of that nature to a piece of gear Um, that a number of us have discovered over the last few years and some of the guys here fairly recently. Um, We have a number of really crude names for what probably is best considered a tactical hand muff. Um, If you watch uh, the pro foosball and college foosball players um, in really cold weather, um, Bobby Boucher normally has some kind of tubular device that he can shove his hands into to keep his hands warm. Um, that's the same idea. Uh, there's a couple different companies. Um, the one that we sell in the shop is an Eagle brand. Eagle has been making high-end tactical gear for a very long time. Um, their particular version of the muff is a like a soft-shell type fabric with a heavy-duty fleece internally. Um, a couple pockets to hold uh, chemical hand warmers and, and, or, or other stuff if you want to put in it. Um, the, it also has some cinches on either end so if you wanted to cinch it down around your hands and keep your hands really snuggled in that's great. Uh, it comes with a belt so you can wear it around your waist if you're not running kit or you can adapt it to attach it to your kit too if you're running like a plate carrier or something like that. Um, there are other versions of the same device. The Eagle one is probably one of the best ones rocking and rolling. There's some lighter weight and some heavier weight if you look around depending. So, But definitely something to take a look at if you're going to be outside hunting. Or doing other things where you want to keep your hands warm for an extended period, but then you need them ready to be able to use and have that good tactile interface with the gun for short periods. That's a great, great, great tool, as a number of guys found out.
0: Yeah, it just, honestly, it lets you wear a thinner pair of gloves, or yep. potentially wear no gloves. Or no gloves, yeah. Um, versus having to wear you know, bulky, call it ski gloves or whatnot, um, when the temperature gets cold. Yep. Um, even if you are, you know, I had... Kind of maybe medium weight gloves, um keep my hands in there, definitely kept them a lot warmer
1: yep absolutely and and we started off the night, um I'd been outside on the range already for a couple hours before we, well, actually for a few hours before we got started um and i and so I dressed quite a bit heavier, but i was I was starting to get cold before we started, and I knew we were going to be running around, so I wasn't too worried about it, but i I started off with really light gloves and then ended up stripping off some of the warm weather clothes and toning things down once we got moving and and ran probably the last few drills, no gloves at all, just with the muff, so pretty good stuff so um so a nod you know that's that's one of those little gear nerd knobs that you learn about over time um, thanks to Ben terrier for bringing that to the tribe because he showed up one day in one of those and some kind of like white Arctic camo and we all gave him a boatload of grief until at some point we all realized our hands were freezing and his weren't. Um so a little bit of knowledge passed down maybe from somebody who's been at altitude um or in cold weather and 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 sees the wisdom. So um the first iteration of the first drill that we ran was that 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 super high speed combat ninja before you go in the shoot house run. Um, I forget what it's called, but it's, it's open source, right?
0: Uh, we've talked about it in previous podcasts. You can look it up for details. Um, the big, the big thing with this is, um, shooting it on IPSC targets, your hits are scored. Um, the actual time standards are exceptionally unforgiving. Yeah. Um, yeah, doing this at night, um, with weapon mounted lights, I think most people were wearing gloves for this run. Yep. Um. Yeah, really, you know, the shooting part was easy. The trigger management part was easy. Yep. For me, I'm running the new REIN light from Cloud, which puts out an incredible amount of light. Um, that worked out really well. Yep. The actual button on the back of the, the REIN was awesome. Um, trying to find the tape switch, I had it maybe two two notches of Picatinny 2 forward. Yeah. Um, with the gloves on was a bit of a challenge. So trying to manage, trying to trying to use the tape switch Realizing the tape switch wasn't doing what I needed it to. Yeah. Then you went to the button, which again was there uh, while you're on the clock, was a bit frustrating, but adapt and overcome.
1: Well, and that's also why we're on the range. You know, we learn, you know, you go out, put these new devices on your gun. Um, you know, look, what was it Clint Smith says? Um, you know, try not to learn new things in a gunfight. Um, you know, so let's go out on the range and, and, and do those setup things and work those kinks out. And for sure, uh, that, that was one of those things. Um, um, one more note
0: on that. Yeah. Um, one of the, the, I would say, important things if you are running a tape switch, um, very important to have actual switches on your light. Yes. Um, tape switches can malfunction. Cables can malfunction. Um, having that you know, backup switch on the light, um, very important. Surefire does one version of their tape switch with the backup button. They do one version of it without. Yep. Um, if you're able to get the one, with the button, um, strongly encourage that if you're running actual scout mount scout lights yeah. and whatnot from Surefire. Um, another nice part about the the tape switch for the X300 setup, um, that one also works with the original X300 flippy switches.
1: Yeah, yep, yep, yeah. The um, cap that you put on actually still leaves the flippy switches there.
0: Yeah, and then with the REIN, if you are running um, that tape switch setup, um, Cloud only makes that with the backup button as part of the system.
1: Yeah. And and like I said, guys, the the Surefire version of that switch that has that backup button is is very expensive, but I do think that it's worthwhile. Unfortunately, a lot of the stuff from any of the manufacturers right now, whether it be Cloud or Surefire or whatever, are really hard to get a hold of. Um, but it, you know, it's one of those things where you you might look at buying whatever you can get right now to keep training, and then at some point chasing down the correct switch system for the Surefire or for the you know or the addition of a tape switch for the REIN. Uh, the kits don't seem to be really free flowing for the REIN stuff. Uh, the cloud defensive stuff, but you can get the lights. They're readily available. So um, definitely a a we-all-learn-things kind of night about our lights. Um, I, I actually was pretty impressed because our group of guys has refined their setups to the extent that a lot of times when you go out on the line with guys who are running lights on guns for the first time or that or haven't done it as much as we have, um, you see a whole lot of guns being reloaded while you know the muzzles, you know vertical in a safe direction or pointed down range in a safe direction but but the light is screaming you know either hey et land your spaceship here or it's screaming at the bad guy hey put rounds here you know while he's doing something other than shooting at you um so light management was actually really solid and that was a comment that came up in our debrief at the end of the night um there were a number of times i know where like i got in position i i i had a brain fart that we'll talk about here in a minute- not a brain fart, but just a a lack of maintenance i guess that popped up for me um i I have a old trigicon m r o an old gen one m r o that I've been running forever um oh my god, it's got a blue tent oh no uh, funny thing it still works anyway. Um, the That is also the shotgun, so it gets handled a lot, and, and I, I'm guessing that it got left on like super high, mega setting, like where the dot sears your retina and stuff when you look through it, um, because when I got to the range, for the first time, I honestly think ever that I've been running electronic red dot sights, the battery was dead. Um, I always carry spare batteries because I'm a nerd. Did I mention I'm a nerd? Um, I had spare batteries in my range bag. I chose to go ahead and take my lumps and run iron sights through the dot. Um, run flip ups through the dot because I haven't done it in a while and it seemed like good practice. Um, you know, so So one of the challenges you get into when you're running illuminated optics and things of that nature are a lot like night sights on a handgun. Um, Some of the stuff that we did, you're moving to a point of cover or moving to a position, getting the gun up, hopefully as you're getting into that position and coming to a stop. And then, you know, you're seeing your dot or that illuminated reticle and you have a general idea of where the target is. You know where downrange is. Um, So you're starting to work with sight alignment, um, even if you don't have sight picture yet, and then punching that light on and making things work. Um, This was a huge nod back to why we like dot optics, illuminated reticles, and LPVOs and things of that nature. Is because you can get on target if you've got any ambient light at all to give you that reference point for where the bad guy was the last time you saw him or a muzzle flash or whatever. Um, You could get in position, get the gun pointed that way, um, still safety on, finger off the trigger, and then pop the light knowing that your sights were pretty close, finish that find up sight alignment, and then safety off, press a shot. Um, with iron sights, that's a really rough thing to do, um, because I've shot a rifle once or twice, I found myself generally in good position, but I could see that changing dramatically when you start going into other positions that I'm, I normally am shooting from a standing position, Mm. maybe kneeling, uh, when you start getting into prone or rollover or SBU or working over a curb or something like that, that changes dramatically. Yeah. And that's, and that's where the dot really comes in. So that, that was kind of one of my, um, Take your lumps, run it the hard way for the night. And, and, I, and my times, especially on that first set of standards drills, suffered big time. Um, I was probably 50% over everyone else just trying to solve that problem. The other thing I ran into was that I was running some ammo that was fairly smoky. Um, I don't know if this is the same thing. that the This is like a Swedish Winchester 62 grain OTM. And I don't know if it's what they used to smoke their fish with up there or, or, or you know, whatever. Or it's kind of ammonia smelling, so maybe it's an ingredient in lutefisk. I have no idea. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, when you get that smoke out there, the iron sights, you're, now you're trying to work through that versus just place the dot kind of in the top edge of the target and go on. Um, but it was definitely a, a not a come-to-Jesus, but a learning experience. Um, but also one of those things that's like, Hey, you, you know, we solved the problem without the technology. So let's go ahead and rock on with it. So, yeah. um, you know, and understand that too, if you, if you get an opportunity to train in low light environments with optics, uh, illuminated reticles, things of that nature on a regular basis, also consider throwing up those irons every once in a while, just to make sure that you can still make work happen. Um, a lot of what we were shooting were IPSC A's. Um, or USPSA A's or zeros or whatever you call them, the smallest, A-zones. yeah, the smallest portion of the target, um, and on one side of the house we had the new, uh, our, our new uh, powered by, powered by six one four target uh, Batman approved uh, negative target, um, and we're running that too, and was able to make non hits, I guess A zone, yeah, non hits negative target. Uh,
0: so we after we ran the 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 assessment drill. Um, for lack of a better term there. Yeah. Uh, We broke into um, one side of the range was running the Blaze X um, with pillars, double-stacked blue barrels, 55-gallon barrels, um, for cover positions in the corners and then open in the center. Um, And then the other side of the range had a grid of fire. On the grid of fire side, we ran a negative target um, just to speed things up, less pasting and whatnot. Um, The negative target, actually, especially with weapon-mounted lights and stuff, Worked really well for a lot of people because it gave them a more defined aiming point. Yeah. Um, Having that big black center. uh, Yeah, really helped out, I think, a lot of people. uh, Also makes for if you're in a position where you can't shoot steel and you can't necessarily go down range to paste up all the time. Yeah. um, Cutting that negative target into a backer um, can speed up your training evolution. Can still keep you honest. Um, also helps with, you know, make build able to diagnose um, misses maybe a little quicker. Yeah. Um, if you got to do that from up range a little bit.
1: Yeah, and if you, and also if you don't carry a pocket knife, if you're one of those kind of you know folks, um, then we do sell the negative targets here at Cap City Outfitters. They're five dollars a piece. Um, you'll have to turn your head while we produce the negative target for you because it takes about thirty seconds for us to actually manufacture it. But we do that on the spot on demand. So. Uh, again, negative targets, $5 a piece of CapCity Outfitters, 4465 Cemetery Road, CapCityOutfitters.com. Um, so negative targets are a good thing. A little bit smaller hit zone, kind of like shooting a steel target versus a great big cardboard target. Um, and, and it is funny to watch too. Um, there's there's like a discipline aspect to this where when you're shooting a full-size cardboard silhouette, sometimes guys will try and outrun their headlights instead of trying to get that high thoracic hit, um, you know, and and get... Because realistically, you should be shooting... At the top half of the rectangle in the middle, yeah. the A Basically zone. Basically
0: from the, from the bottom of the perforated A to the top of the perforations for the A zone.
1: Exactly. And I would also say that it. I, I'm going to extend that up into the base, like at the shoulders, the base of the head at the shoulders yeah. um, as well. And so... And we had some guys who that's, that's where they focus on their shots. And then we had some guys maybe that little bit more of a military mentality where they're just aiming for the center of the target. And that pushes those hits low. And then if you start, you know, if you're not accounting for sight offset or, or you're just not managing the trigger quite as cleanly as you should be because you feel like you have such a generous target at 40 yards and in, um, you know, if you're, if you're kind of slapping the trigger, making those quick shots, uh, some of that stuff ended up low outside of that A zone. And when you push it into the negative it gives you that higher upper thoracic hold that we should probably all be trying to achieve especially at these kind of distances with rifles there's not an excuse for a drop shot other than um i muffed it or i was trying to go too fast yeah so you know and again all of us are experienced enough that offset shouldn't be a real big conversation but it seems to rear its ugly head occasionally uh usually there's one or two people who walk up to the target the first time and go Crap, you know, and it's kind of like, yeah, you know, and that. So, so just be aware of that. That's, that's not really a big deal. You just need to adapt to it. So, um, on the pillars, moving around the pillars. One of the things that we ran into running handguns, were if you, you know, if you, we're always taught to kind of stay back off of cover as much as you can. There are exceptions to that. If if your cover happens to be a fairly narrow piece of cover, such as you know a, a concrete pillar in a parking garage or two barrels stacked on top of each other at the range. Um, you know, there, a lot of us have been told never let your muzzle extend past cover or somebody will take your gun away from you. Sure. Okay. That's, that's possible that there's a goblin hiding on the other side of that pillar. Um, okay, whatever. Um, I would that's say that's more we, of an issue. Also for,
0: why we carry pocket knives. That's right.
1: And that's, and that's more of an issue for me. If I'm clearing a structure, I don't want to stick a gun into a doorway unknown. Um, but if I've got decent situational awareness and I know which direction the bad guy's in and I'm painting it. Um, and I haven't seen somebody between him and me, there's a decent chance I can get up on that cover. Um, This leads us to a conversation around light use around cover. Um, You will hear people say, anything more than 60 lumens will blind you. Anything more than 350 lumens will blind you. I want one to three lumens short of melting skin off of their face, however far away they are. Um,
0: If you've seen Raiders Lost Ark, which, if you haven't, go fix that. Exactly. Um, Yeah think like about two, one to three lumens less than whatever's produced by the Ark of the Covenant. When it's up, <laughs> yeah.
1: That's the correct number of lumens. That is the to correct have. number of lumens. Um, and so this leads us to a conversation around um, long gun, handgun, don't care, because the light actually ends up in a very similar place. If you're shouldering the long gun and it's a shorter gun, carbine length gun, versus a handgun extended at full extension, when you get up around cover, um, especially a pillar or something that's narrow enough that you don't want to be back off of it, lest you get flanked and shot by somebody else. Um, you know, consider getting up on that cover so that when you flick on that light you aren't painting the whole side of your cover. Um, maybe Possibly impairing your own vision, but I, that's not as big of an issue for me, at least not that I've noticed, so much as you're giving a lot of light to a surface area that gives the bad guy a whole lot of, hey, so the, the guy I want to get rid of is over here kind of conversation. Uh, with the rifle, same conversation. You know, get where you need to be on the cover and don't overexpose yourself as well. Get the gun tucked in tight. Get the light where it needs to be to not, you know, not reflect a whole bunch back and give away your position anymore. than you have to. And then beyond that, sights aligned, light on, take the shot, light back off, and safety back on. You know, run through that process. And that was a lot of what we did doing that Blaze X, and it worked out real well. I thought personally. Yeah. Seemed like a lot of good discipline on position and light use.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Uh, and then leaving, we leave the. Or have been leaving that center um, when you get back to the center open. That's open to real to kind of make somebody take a snapshot, you know, in the open um, versus having you know, more time to get set up behind cover and yeah, whatnot.
1: Yeah, and in, you know, and in the if you listen to guys who've actually been there and done it, you know, some of these guys talk about the former military dudes or police officers who've done more high speed stuff will tell you that you know when you're moving from one space to another, um, especially in the middle of a gunfight, the likelihood that you're going to stop and take a shot nil. Uh, But the reality is a lot of these guys practice it because there may be an opportunity where there's a bad guy that needs put down. who's not actually pointing a gun at you, and you may take that second to set up, take a quick shot, and then get moving again. Uh, But again, when you're in the open, you don't want to spend a whole lot of time there, and that was the point, I think, of getting back through that center. And honestly, if you watch uh, Pat McNamara run that drill, handgun or long gun, he takes next to no time. He takes as little time as necessary in each of the positions, which is actually the goal of the drill not so much the shooting. The shooting again should be pretty easy.
0: Yeah. So. Um. And to, to kind of break down, you know, the blaze X with the lights. You know, every time you run it is ten rounds. Nine I or ten.
1: Right. I, I. It's. It's. Nine it's, rounds. Ten rounds. Something like that. It's. A, it's. It's around at each corner, and it's a start or and stop something. in the middle. So it should be five. So it should be nine.
0: Yeah. Nine rounds. Yeah. Um. And you have four four presentations from behind cover. Yeah. Um. You know, nine. Uses of the light, um, nine kind of up drills, or at least five up drills, you know, from the center. Yep. And then you know the four presentations from behind cover. Yeah. Um, so if, when it comes to you know ammo usage, which is I know on everybody's mind, sure, a very efficient yeah. means of getting a lot of good reps, um, for your, for bang. Yeah, a so lot of good speed.
1: reps on a lot of different skills. It's not, a, it's not a one or two dimensional. There's a lot to that drill. So the movement, the setup, the gun alignment, the use of cover, et cetera. So yeah, absolutely. Very efficient uh, training drill. Um, and and if, you're, if you're like me and you're a little chubby, it's, it's a little bit of cardio too. Yeah. Get your heart pumping. Um, um, another one of those drills that's
0: very important to make sure whoever you're doing it with um, is squared away in the daylight. Yeah. Especially with regards to where the muzzle's at, what their trigger finger's doing, um, how they run the safety cycle switch, all that kind of stuff before yes. you even think about trying to do it in low light conditions.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. This is something that like, yeah, multiple, 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 lots of reps in the daylight um, under a good eyeball um, because sometimes we think we're doing things we're not, like engaging safeties and stuff like that. Um, you know, so yeah, definitely, you know, and this would be another one of those things too, if you're going to run it in the daylight. Um You know, once you have the drill down and you know what movement you want to do and, you know, you've got it planned out in your mind which way you're going to go, um, there's a reality check to possibly taking your iPhone, putting it in that little ET finger holder thingy and doing a video of you running it and just absolutely confirming that you're running the safety and stuff like that. Or do it slow enough that you, you know, you think you say to yourself until it's subconscious, okay, safety off shooting, okay, safety on moving, you know, and do that kind of thing if you're new to this. Um, when you complicate it with being in the dark and putting the light into it, uh, your people that are normally around you acting as safeties, it, it, they're they are a lot less useful in that regard because they can't see what you're doing. So, um, yeah, definitely make sure you're squared away before you go and try this, you know, out at the farm or whatever. Uh, That's a great way for somebody to have an oopsie if you're not squared away. Yeah. So don't don't have oopsies. Um, mm-hmm. Cool. The Anything else on the Blaze X? Uh,
0: I'd say, you know, overall, uh, we were at, 15, 20, 25 yards as far as where the positions were at. Yeah. And if somebody had a close C um, hit on a run, that was probably their only call miss from the A zone. Yeah. I mean, the shooting was, the shooting was really good. Um, that was kind of, you know, expected. A yeah. zone hits were expected. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and again,
1: um, at these kind of distances with a rifle, those are, those are easy freaking shots until you start trying to get in position rapidly, it's more about getting into position than it's about shooting the gun. So yeah, and, and I would say any any misses were, were just very near misses um, that in a gunfight would have been a bad day for the bad guy, it would have been a combat effective hit, even if it wasn't technically where you wanted it on cardboard. So, um, so the Blaze X, and then we pushed over into a similar type thing, but no cover for the grid of fire. Right. Um, essentially, if you've not run the grid of fire, it's a figure eight uh, toward the target, and you're moving through eight or nine positions, 10 positions, whatever. Um, Again, you know, knowing the, the safety aspect of it, knowing how to run the gun, being, you know, if you're on the target shooting safety off, but as soon as you are ready to move, the safety comes back on before you move, kind of deal. Yeah. And then where's the finger, muzzle? Finger outside the trigger finger guard. Finger outside the trigger guard. And then where's the muzzle when you're moving? Because for part of this, you are moving back up range, so your muzzle either needs to be, you know, at the sky or at the dirt, one or the other, and you need to be cognizant of that, um, you know. But the, the again, this drill is all about getting in position and getting set up rapidly. And when you, and in my opinion, when you add the light to it, getting set up in position rapidly, finding that that sight alignment, and then hit the light for sight picture, take the shot, turn the light off, safe the weapon and move right now. So it's about trying to tie all those things together as quickly as possible, but without anything in the way. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: And then also, you know, using that light spill in your peripheral vision to figure out where you got to go next. Yeah. Um, so we're moving five yards at a time, which we should be able to kind of do yeah. using our, our initial navigation system. That yeah. Some of
1: us have better yeah. than others. Yeah. Some of us don't have it all. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah, but you know, using using the the light, the the spill from the light on the gun um, to pick up, you know, the cone or the next position. Yeah, kind of getting okay. That's where I gotta go. Getting that light off. Yeah, and then go into that next position. Yes. Um, versus using the flashlight to get there.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, and and this is something too that the the foot movement part of it can be done by braille. Um, there were kicked cones. And that, that's okay. Um, you know, they're they're training cones anyway. They're meant to be stepped on and whatnot. Um, but again, the point of this being the movement, getting into position quickly, get the shot, get the light back off, and do your thing safely. Um, again, and th- this is another one of those drills that it's, it's, it's like a Tabata. It's, you know, it's like 20 seconds of your life that when you're done, you're breathing heavy um, a little bit, and it's an attention getter. Um, if you run some of these, if you're at a skill level, I don't recommend running a lot of these drills with a gun that's like partially loaded so that you've got to force a reload in there somewhere because it's not the point of the drill to add that to it. But at some point when you're very comfortable with those things, when they become more subconscious type behaviors. Um, than just running your gun as you run your gun. And at some point when it runs dry, either transition, because the distances generally were transition distances. Um, and that's one of the things I choked on. Um, I had a double feed of some sort for some reason. I have no idea what I did. If I got something in front of something or whatever. Um, it looked like
0: It sounded like a double feed. Yeah. Just got yeah. reloaded on and not cleared.
1: Not clear properly. Absolutely. That traded yeah. another double. Yeah. <laughs> and so basically the gist of that was the brain cramp was just I'm I'm within 30 or 40 yards. I should have just taken the handgun out and made the shot, which I did eventually. Um, but again, it was one of those like, I'm still fumbling with this. I should just take the shot with a handgun. Let's transition and did that. Um, and, and that was a little frustrating. But again, less time with a rifle than with a handgun. So that was a teachable moment for me, um, but a good one. So I'll take it. And I think I actually made the... 35 or 30 ish, 35 yard shot with a handgun. Yeah, no problem. So, so, yeah, no big deal. Because, um, of course, it was from the furthest position. So, yeah, live and learn. Yeah. Um, any Anything else? Again, back to, you know, position of switching and stuff like that. Um, you need, you're working that out with that yeah. REIN system. Um, and
0: that was something that I'd worked out at home in the basement, but yeah. without gloves. Yep. So, putting the gloves on, um, yeah, be able to, to feel. The pressure pad maybe not getting quite the same direct downward pressure. Okay. With my no. finger um, once I put the gloves on, uh, yeah. caused some problems. Also, I've got a bunch of like where the my hand kind of gets jammed up next to the REIN light. Yep. To get to the pressure pad, mm-hmm. so now I couldn't get my hand quite jammed up in there. Okay. Because okay. of the gloves. Because um, you
1: kind of use the light itself as like a hand stop almost? Almost. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, so moving that back a little bit. Um, Test it out again in the basement. Um, yeah. We'll see, you know, live fire the next time out, you know, how it's working. Sure. Um, I will say I was absolutely blown away by the the power of that light.
1: The light is for flipping awesome. Um, you know, and we talk about that in the shop. We talk to guys about, you know, how much light do you actually need? If it's a long gun there's a potential that you could end up outside with it if it's a handgun there's a potential you can end up outside with it but the long gun especially um you know and the reality check is that that fifty five thousand candela is is just a stunning amount of light on target um, i you know I was running a surefire x300 because that's what I run on top of my AR pistol because it's small and lightweight um, and I and that's one of the reasons I love the switching on the x300 especially inverted on the top rail because um, it's just it's just stupid simple to use um But good Lord, watching that light put that many lumens down range is really nice. And part of using the light on the bad guy, we joke about melting faces off, but there's a reality check that if I'm using a light in a a life or death situation, I want to blind the bad guy because it might be my last best chance to not shoot somebody that doesn't need shot or keep somebody who's trying to hurt me from being able to hurt me by blinding them. And that therein lies the argument for all the lumens. Yeah, one so of the bear that mind.
0: one of the guys commented that the X three hundred Ultra looked kind of greenish, bluish. Yep. Um, the light output, and when you start putting you know muzzle smoke, and yep. Rain, fog, snow, yeah. Fire, whatever you know, in front of it, um, having that warmer yep. tone from either the AL or the REIN yep. um, really makes a difference cutting through. Yeah. The environmental effects.
1: And the difference in blue to the warmer light of the surefire, the, the blue of the streamlight, which is blue blue, go into, you know, the streamlight or the, the surefire products, which are not quite as blue blue, and then go into a really warm light like the REIN is a is a many fold difference in, in warmth of light and the ability to cut through stuff. I I noticed that too. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cool. Um I don't know what else to add. I mean, like I said, there was a lot of good movement. There was a lot of good light usage. I think everybody was pretty squared away. We didn't have any, any, uh, any catastrophes as far as people just you know not yeah. being able to figure out or solve the problem. Everybody seemed to move pretty well, and when little things did pop up, they worked through those hiccups pretty rapidly. So again, yeah. I thought it was a pretty good night. So
0: I think a testament to everybody having previously done, you know, a lot of iterations yeah. in yep. the dark, um, long gun, handgun. Yeah. Um, this was no one's first rodeo. Yep. And yeah. on that note, yeah, encouragement to go take a low-light class if you're able to. Yep. Um, if your agency is able to, um, tell your training cadre to make you do low-light evolutions either in your range or during your training stuff.
1: And if you want some wintertime reading, um, look up Ken Good's uh, strategies of low-light usage or something like that. Ken Good's a former Navy SEAL who helped start the... Surefire Lowlight Academy. Um, Ken Ken Good is the guy's name. The book it's a it's a I don't even it's not in print anymore. It hasn't been for a decade, um, but it's just the fundamental principles of when and how to use a light. Um, great place to start if you wanted to read up on the theory and then and then press forward and take in a class or something like that. Uh, might be some nice wintertime reading as you sit by the fire with a brandy in your hand and your smoking jacket and your nice leather side chair in your library. Oh wait a minute. Never mind, I don't have any of those things. Cool. All right.
0: Uh, yeah, on that note, <laughs> we'll wrap this up. All right. Uh, you can follow us on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram, as long as those commie bastards let us stick around. Amen. Um, just search for Cap City Outfitters. Uh, we do an email newsletter once a week. Um, you can sign up for that on the website, capcityoutfitters.com, or drop us an email to info at capcityoutfitters.com, and we will happily add you to that. Uh, we are... It located here in Hilliard, Ohio, 4465 Cemetery Road, we're right in front of Aldi's. We're directly next to Louis Fusion Drill. Um, we are continuing to run COVID-related hours to keep Mini Mike happy. Uh, we're 10 to 5 Tuesday through Saturday. Um, please note, we will be probably closed when you hear this for winter break. Yep. Uh, we're going to be closed December 24th through January the 1st. Fifth, The 4th. We reopen on the 5th. We Tuesday. reopen Tuesday, January 5th um, to start off 2021. Hopefully there's no
1: zombies. Amen. Um, guys, if you need to do uh, purchase a silencer, go to our webpage and follow the link to Silencer Shop to our portal there. Um, and if you're interested in doing a firearm transfer, uh, go to our webpage and check out the transfers page and read up on the details there. And uh, we'll get you squared away. So thanks so much for tuning in, guys. Really appreciate it. Yeah, well, uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next year. Cool.